Thank you, Brother Kyle. Thank you, Brother Martin, and thank you, Pastor Cofield. I'm honored to be here today and uh, to, just to be with the men of God. I, 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 is this year number 43 here at, uh, for you? God bless you. And uh, I, I just a little kid then, and I remember, remember hearing Brother Cofield preach when I was just a little fellow. And uh, he's uh, stayed with it all these years now. And uh, I appreciate that uh, stickability. Uh, as many of you know that my first wife, Jenny, died several years ago with cancer. And uh, God brought Joyce and me together. We've been married almost 14 years now. She had served as a missionary up in New York City in the inner city work of Brooklyn, New York for... 27 years, a single missionary, and now uh, uh, you're talking about, uh, here's a, a girl from Charlotte, North Carolina, moving to New York City, and staying there 27 years, laboring for the Lord in that inner city work. Now, for a southern girl like that to uh, live in New York City 27 days would be a miracle. 27 years. And we were back up there several years ago, uh, two or three years, a couple years after we were married in, in a missions conference. And first day I was trying to drive in Brooklyn, New York, Georgia license plates on my van. Uh, <clears throat> They horn cussed me. They uh, shook her fist at me and uh, then gave me other signs that uh, I wouldn't give you this morning. And uh, finally I said, uh, honey, I said, how in the world did you live here and minister here for 27 years in this mess? She said, I cried a lot. I said, I'm about to right now. And she said, the way I stayed here is because I knew God had called me. That'll keep you there. And uh, he stayed all these years, and he knew God called him here. Thank you, Brother Wang. Thank you for your faithfulness, and uh, that means much. Well, uh, <clears throat> My son embarrassed me, and uh, I don't know what to say now. I mean, uh, somebody preached like that, about all I can say is, amen, let's go home, <laughs> uh, because he said it this morning. Uh, I, uh, like old fella, old, old fella back home in South Carolina years ago, he said, uh, I learned him good, and so I learned him good, amen, and uh, we were... Uh, uh, mission conference at Linwood two or three years ago when the missionaries in the conference there he and John were talking and, and uh, I was over here and I, and I overheard them and uh, missionary asked him said uh, how does it feel to be your daddy's pastor he said it's sweet revenge <laughs> he said I had to put up with him and listen to him for uh, all these years, he said, it's just sweet revenge. He has to do what I say now. 
I turned around and I said uh, to the missionary, I said, uh, let me tell you something. I said, uh, <clears throat> uh, he's my pastor and I'll obey him as long as I'm here, but he's going to have to walk out that door one day and, and I'm going to uh, still be his daddy. And I can still whoop him. Might take me a little longer. But uh, he's been a blessing, and he's been a good pastor and, and a good preacher. And uh, John is more of an expository preacher, you know. That's like that rifle shot right to the heart. I'm a shotgun preacher, amen. I just take a text, blast off, and may scatter anywhere, amen. <laughs> I just preach. Don't know a whole lot about expository preaching, but uh, I just preach. Amen. And I got a message on my heart. I, I tell you what, I wondered uh, what time we supposed to be out of here anyway. Uh, let's see, it's a quarter till eleven now. Am I on Alabama time? Oh, okay. Well, anyway, uh, uh, I don't forgot what I was saying now, but uh, we. Uh, <clears throat> I, I, I thought about what to preach, you know, in a situation like this, because, you know, with Tuesday coming and you're not knowing what's going to happen, and after that I thought about preaching on, you know, the nation that's lost its way, and surely we have. Uh, wicked shall be turned into hell, all nations that forget God. And uh, that just didn't, didn't seem right. We, we, we didn't need that today. Oh, about preaching on God's answer to fear, and I, I don't know, we didn't need that today. But uh, last uh, few times I've been uh, honored and privileged to preach in this preacher's fellowship. I have preached uh, around the theme of our great God. And I, I sort of used uh, uh, threesomes and triplets, and I preached on uh, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, who was the God of our faith, and because in those three persons is we uh, see the principle of faith unfold. Uh, in Abraham, we saw that he was the God uh, who called sinners. In uh, Isaac, he was the, uh, manifested as the God who continues salvation. Uh, Isaac sort of had what we might call a hand-me-down religion. You know, he... Uh, he got what old uncle uh, or daddy Abraham had. And that's not altogether bad, by the way. In fact, that's what we're supposed to do. Uh, that's what I've tried to do. And I really have. And uh, it's taken pretty well. Uh, but that's what Isaac was. Uh, one who continues salvation. We're to pass on to that next generation what we have from God. Then uh, in Jacob, we saw that he was the God who conquers saints because as we've already heard, old Jacob was a conniver, wasn't he? And uh, one that was a cheater and a thief and everything else. And, and, uh, but he met somebody one night that he couldn't conquer. And uh, Jacob never was the same after that, was he? In fact, his, his name changed to Israel, didn't he? Uh, and then I preached, I believe it was the last time, that on uh, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
And uh, in those three, we find that he's the God uh, uh, that uh, the God of our fires. And uh, he goes with us through that fiery furnace in those trials that we face. This morning, I want you to turn to John's Gospel, chapter 11. I want to bring a message on uh, what I call the God of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And in the, uh, these, uh, this uh, threesome uh, group, uh, we see him manifested as the God of our future. Now, uh, we're going to see that in just a minute. Uh, my, uh, John got my Bible a while ago and was, was, was slinging it around everywhere, and I whispered to Joyce, I said, I forgot to tell him that thing's loaded. <laughs> subject to go off anytime, uh, but uh, it never, but I hope it goes off right now. Stand with me, give attention to God's Word. I'm going to read just a few verses, and uh, I would uh, read the chapter in its entirety, but I'll spare you from uh, that, uh, but uh, just a few verses uh, here. Uh, verse 1, now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Go down to verse number 30, uh, 38 with me, if you would. And you're familiar with what happened here. Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus, uh, thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. We'll preach about the God of our future, the God of Mary, Martha, Lazarus. Now, Father... We've already heard from heaven 
Thank you for that good, good message that stirred our hearts already this morning. But Lord, I need help right now. Lord, I've got sense enough to know that there's no way in the world that I could be a help to anybody, much less these preachers gathered here today without the touch of Almighty God. So I ask you to touch me, Lord. Give me that anointing. I pray you'd give clarity of thought and fluency of speech, but oh, dear God, season every word with the Savior of the Holy Ghost. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to say a word in season that'll help somebody here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. Now, Lazarus had, had died, and the future of this little Bethany home was a little gloomy and just a little dark. But Jesus appeared on the scene as God in the flesh. He brought life and hope back into this, uh, the, the, this situation and the future of these folks that he loved. Now, let me say, my dear friends, this morning that he's still the God of our future in the year 2020. Nothing has changed with God. And maybe something has died in your hopes and your dreams and your life recently. I'm glad to be able to say this morning that he's still the God of our future and he's able to come on the scene anytime that we want him to and resurrect that life and that hope and that dream. Now, I think all of us have probably uh, faced a situation and, and we all know what's going on right now and it is a royal mess what's going on. And this hadn't come about within a few days. This has been going on for four years. These folk, have been, uh, and these are evil people, my friend, and uh, they have, have connived and, and planned this thing for four years now. And, uh, and, they, and they've executed their plan pretty well, by the way. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, they're, they're, uh, hey, let me tell you something. You say, preacher, you politicking? No, I'm preaching. And I hope you know the difference. And, and uh, Trump had this thing won. I mean, it, it was uh, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. It was won already. Georgia won. And they are trying right before our eyes to steal this thing. You can say what you want to. I don't care a rip about Republican, Democrat, or whatever uh, those names are uh, and whatever is beside their names. Uh, that doesn't interest me near as much as godliness and righteousness and, and truth. And let me tell you something, friend. Uh, this thing, uh, and right before our eyes, we're seeing this. But I tell you what, I do, I, I do a lot of preaching in Michigan. And there are a bunch of rednecks in Michigan, buddy. And, uh, and they've already stormed the, 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 the uh, voting place. And they're not going to put up with this. You get outside of Detroit and, and Ann Arbor and, and 
Lansing and some of them big cities like that. And uh, Michigan is very conservative. And, and there's some people there that mean business. Hey, by the way, uh, if they got another day or two in Georgia, they're going to steal it in Georgia. Might as well get ready for that. Uh, and uh, here's the thing, somebody told me, he said the light, uh, Georgia had to have a few more uh, days uh, to count these votes because uh, they've been going through the cemeteries the last two nights uh, doing voter registration. Uh, but uh, that's neither here nor there, amen. What I'm saying is we're going through some things right now, some hopes and dreams have died. But brother, let me tell you something, the God of our future is able to resurrect whatever hopes and dreams have died. I've had some things in my own life the last two or three years uh, that, uh, that, that uh, it, it just seemed to die. Uh, but let me tell you something. I've seen the God of our future step in. We have a sweet couple in our church at Linwood that, uh, I mean, just to hear their testimony of the grace of God I mean, this fellow was a rounder, and uh, he uh, had uh, divorced his wife and joined the army and, uh, and went off to Iraq, but God did something to his heart. He got right with God, Brother Eddie, you remember that. Got right with God. She got saved. And I won't tell you, Sunday morning she sang... Uh, stood and sung a song about the grace of God and the testimony of the grace of God. And uh, brother, if I hadn't have been so dignified, I would have shouted. But it was just amazing to see how that God has put that life and that marriage back together. They got remarried and they've given their lives to God and they're just a blessing to be around. That's how the God of our future can resurrect our, our hopes and dreams uh, that's uh, darkened in our lives. And I want to say to our hearts this morning that uh, God's ready to do that and re, uh, resurrect and redirect anything if, in our lives and our plans that if we'll allow him to do it. Now, it, it quickly, if I, I could give just a quick summary of the God of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, it would uh, be to look at him uh, uh, them as, uh, look at God uh, and their God as the God who is our prophet, priest, and king. And I want you just to look at this, if you would. You, you perhaps heard it said that, that, uh, that Christ uh, uh, was our prophet, he is our priest, and he is our coming king. Well, uh, that's good preaching, uh, but you know, I had a fellow tell me that not long ago. And the whole time he's telling me that, my mind's going back to Psalm 110, verse 4, where it says that, uh, that thou, uh, thou art a priest forever. Forever he's a priest. But I, I'm glad that he's capable of being all three at the same time. And he is our prophet. He is our priest. And he is our king. In fact, he's our all in all. And everything that we need, we find in Jesus. Now, and I'm going to have to hurry, but uh, we, we find him so manifesting himself in this situation at Bethany as the God 
of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. First of all, let me say that he revealed himself to Martha as our mighty prophet. Now what Luke said about him in Luke 24 and verse 19, that he was a prophet mighty in word and deed. He's not just any prophet, not even a prophet like Moses, but, but brother, he's a mighty prophet. He's the voice of God. John 1 and verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, you know what a, a, a voice is, an expression of, of, of a father? I mean, that's what he is. Uh, it's expression of one's mind and one's thought. He's the very expression of the Father. In Hebrews chapter 1 says, God who at sundry times and in divers matters spoke as it was in times past uh, through the prophets hath in these latter times spoken to us through his Son. It's all about Jesus. Listen, in Genesis chapter 1, I believe I counted nine times it said, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, nine times. That's Jesus speaking. That's the Son of God uh, that's speaking. Let me say, here in John 11, we see him manifested as God's prophet. In his wisdom and comprehension, we see him as God's prophet. He knew that Lazarus was sick. In fact, if you look later on in verse 13, you'll see that he knew that Lazarus was even dead. And Jesus knew that he died. Hey, his thoughts are not like our thoughts. He knows everything. And here we see his wisdom and his comprehension. He was God's prophet there at Bethany. And brother, let me say that he's our prophet here today in wisdom and comprehension. He knows best for our lives and we can rest assured. Now, not only is he uh, that wisdom and comprehension as God's prophet, but we see his ways and conduct as God's prophet. Verses six and seven, it says, when he had heard therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place uh, where uh, he was. That, uh, that, then after that, uh, saith he to his disciples, let us go. Uh, into Judea again. You see, his ways are not our ways, although his ways may sometimes be strange ways to us. and We don't understand those ways at times. His ways are always right. And he chose to wait just a little while. And he did that to, so that the glory of God uh, could be manifested. Uh, I tell you, you know what I know. Sometimes that we think that God ought to respond immediately. Uh, when uh, we ask him something, when we think he ought to do something, uh, but he don't always work on our timetable. There's times, my friend, when he delays. He knows when it's best to wait a while. And he knows when it's best to show up. Matthew chapter 14, he had to send his disciples uh, to the other side of the, uh, of the Sea of Galilee, went up on the mountain and prayed. A storm blew up and the wind was boisterous. But in the fourth watch of the night, I take that to be somewhere between two 
a.m. and 6 a.m., the fourth watch of the night. He knew exactly when to show up. Here comes Jesus walking on the water. And so in his wisdom and comprehension, in his ways and conduct, uh, he's our mighty prophet. But let me say thirdly, uh, in the words and comfort, he's our mighty prophet. Uh, when he does show up, may wait a little longer than we think he should, but when he does show up, my friend, he always says the right thing. He always does exactly what's needed. I have to tell you, I somehow have a little problem uh, with always uh, doing what's right and doing what's needed and saying the right things and so forth. And I'm sure you do too. You pastors ever gone to the hospital as I did one time in my early ministry and you know, here's a fellow, he's laying over there, you can tell he's about dead and, uh, and has very little life in him and I walked up to him and said, hey brother, how you doing? I'm not sure that that was a real appropriate question to ask at a time like that. I've said some foolish things. By the way, uh, I learned early on in my ministry as a pastor when I pastored, Brother Wayne, that you don't uh, ask a woman what she had surgery for. I learned that the hard way, buddy. Uh, and I never asked that question again. Uh, and, Somebody told me that the lady was having surgery today and I didn't even ask what it was for. <laughs> and uh, really ain't any of my business. If they don't want to tell you, I'm sure not going to ask anymore. I've said a lot of strange things. I've preached in the missions conference for Chris Parker in Rota, Spain several years ago. I preached that conference for him, I think, 10 years in a row there at our military church and... Uh, and <clears throat> Uh, always had a good conference, but one night Chris and I were there uh, before anybody else got there to the service one evening, and we were standing uh, right down here, uh, and I was facing the pulpit, and, and he was looking at this way, and, and we were just talking, I guess, about service or just uh, light talk, and, uh, and people filed in, you know, and there were some ladies, four or five ladies gathered behind us there, and they were talking, and... <clears throat> You know how you can be engaged in conversation with somebody, but yet uh, eavesdropping on uh, somebody else's conversation uh, next to you? Uh, you, you? You're not that way? Uh, well, I have been guilty of that. And uh, I was doing that that day, and uh, these ladies were talking about uh, a baby shower. What are you going to bring? What are you going to bring? What are you going to bring? And we finished our conversations about the same time. And Brother Chris walked off to a, a Sunday school room over here adjacent to the auditorium. And I turned around and this lady that had been engaged in that conversation turned around about the same time. And, and uh, so it was appropriate to speak. And, uh, and now listen, I'd heard what they'd talked about. When she turned around, she looked as though she had on a maternity dress. Yeah, the question that came out, I said, ma'am, when is your baby due? Wrong question. She looked at me right wild-eyed. She said, brother, I'm not pregnant. I said, oh, I didn't say another word. I just walked off over where Chris was and closed the door. 
You know, you don't always say the right things at the right time. But I want to tell you, Jesus always does. His words of comfort as our mighty prophet always says the right word to the right person at the right time, at the right way. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to read all of this, but if you, you'll read in verse 21 and, and, and following what he said to Martha about how that, that she said, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. So she goes all the way back to the past and then she takes him all the way to the future. She said, but I know that in the resurrection he'll live again. But I love what Jesus said. He brings her right back to the present. Verse 25, he said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. You see, too many of us live in the past. Glory to God, I got saved 50 years ago and it's, it was a wonderful thing. But I'll tell you, praise God, I'm going to heaven one of these days. Uh, going from the past to the future, what about right now? What's he doing right now? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, though ye were dead, yet shall, shall you live again. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And boy, I'll tell you, uh, that comforted her heart. And I won't tell you, uh, it always has a tendency to do that. When Jesus speaks, there are times that we face things in our lives just like Martha did there. Uh, that uh, well-wishers can't help us with, uh, but a word from the mighty prophet can. Or yeah. those folk were wishing them well and comforting them, and, and rightfully so. And they meant well with it. Uh, but that's not what they needed. They, they didn't need a word from well-wishers, although that's good but what they needed was a word from the mighty prophet. And boy, he gave that word and, and, and it sure satisfied Martha. And you can rest assured that it always satisfies when we get that word from the mighty prophet. Now, we're facing some hard times in our life. And I know you're wondering, you're wondering like we've already heard it mentioned this morning, what we're we going to preach on Sunday how we're going to help our people on Sunday. And uh, hey, uh, there's a lot of things we can say that'll help them, but I want to tell you that a word from the mighty prophet is the best thing that we could give them when we face them on Sunday to encourage them. Let me give you something quickly now for, about Mary. He revealed himself to Martha as the mighty prophet. He revealed himself to Mary as our merciful priest. And we're confronted here very quickly, and I'll just mention this, very different ways. In fact, there's three ways as we think about how he manifested himself as the merciful priest. First of all, we see the interest of our priest. Verse 28, he said, And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. And, and did you notice that in the verse number 20 or verse number 32, when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. That was her favorite place, wasn't it? Saying unto him, Lord, thou hast been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, 
which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. You see, he had an interest in Mary. Uh, he was concerned about Mary's broken heart. And may I remind us today that he's very concerned about, about anything that we're faced with. You may have a broken heart, but I will tell you our merciful high priest is concerned about that. He's not too busy. I was reading just this week in, the, in Psalm 147, and I want you to listen to this. Psalm 147 in verse 4, He telleth the number of the stars, He calleth them all by their names. Billions and billions and billions of stars in billions of galaxies. But He calls them all by name. Now that's a great God. That'd keep us busy, wouldn't it? But not Him. But here's what I want you to see. The previous verse says, verse 3, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. He's not so busy running the universe that He's not interested in our difficulties and what we're faced with. That just does something to help me this morning. Oh, He groans with us in our difficulties and He feels our infirmities. And that's the interest. He's interested in what we're facing right now. But then there's the instructions of our priest, verses 39 and 40. Look at it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Uh, Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Uh, Martha thought he was going to embarrass the family. By, by showing that decomposed body of, of Lazarus. And, and she said, Lord, he's been dead four days. He, he, he stinketh now. I'll tell you what, I've embarrassed people a lot of times in my ministry, foolishly, stupidly. Things I've said from the pulpit, brother Wayne, I've embarrassed people. I'm ashamed of some of them things. Uh, I've embarrassed my wife before. Uh, I've embarrassed my children before. Uh, and said dumb things. But I won't tell you, my dear friend, that, that, that uh, the instructions that Jesus gives are always correct. They're never embarrassing. Then let me say thirdly, for sake of time, not only the interest of our priest and the instructions of our priest, but notice the intercession of our priest in verse number 41. When they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always, but now I want you to look at this, because of the people. I tell you what, those four words there have helped me. That's what our ministry is all about. Because of the people. That's why we minister. That's why we preach. That's why we labor. That's because of the people. People need the Lord. Sinners need to get saved. Saints need to be encouraged in this day we're living because of the people. He said, uh, I, I, I mean, he's interceding now. Heard about a godly mother that had died praying mother, one of the sons was heard to say, who's going to pray for us now? 
I'm glad we've got one seated at the right hand of the Father. That, uh, that, that uh, he's, uh, he's never prayed a wrong prayer. He, hey, he's never had a prayer unanswered. He said in verse 42, he said, I know you always hear me. And I'll tell you, my dear friend, he always prays in the will of the Father and he's praying for us. Let me close with this thought. He manifested himself to Martha as the mighty prophet, manifested himself to Mary as our merciful priest. But let me say thirdly, he revealed himself to Lazarus as our majestic king. You say, I, I, I don't see anywhere in there where it says that he's our king. Well, let me, uh, hey, it does, by the way. It does. Let, let, let me show you. First of all, he's the king of love. Three times. Maybe four, I'd have to go back and look. Three, four times it talks about how he loved Lazarus, how he loved Mary and Martha, how he loved that family, how he loved that home in Bethany. He's the king of love. Hey, that's the thing that brought him there was because that he loved them. I won't tell you it was boundless love that brought Jesus down to this old wicked world to go to the old rugged cross and die for our sins. I know we learned it in Sunday school when we were kids and we've uh, quoted it through the years, but it's still just as precious as it ever was that God so loved the world. And I submit to our hearts this morning that when he says that God so loved the world, there's not enough of of words in all of the vocabularies of the world that could explain how much it God loved when he so loved this world. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's the king of love. Let me say he's the king of life. I love it in verse 43 when he had thus spoken. He cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. <laughs> the old Puritan, and you, you preached it, you heard it, said if he hadn't called his name that the, he would have emptied the whole graveyard. Lazarus, come forth. And oh, my dear friend, here he comes out. I, somebody asked me not long ago, I, I, I had preached uh, on, uh, on Lazarus, another, uh, another message, but they said, preacher, how do you think Lazarus got out of that, that, that tomb? How'd he get out? He was bound hand and foot. I mean, all over his body is bound. How did he get out? He couldn't walk. Let me tell you, let me tell you what I think. This is Aversonology. But uh, I think he floated out. I think he just floated out. Now, if you've got a better explanation, I'll take yours. Uh, but if you don't, we'll take mine. Amen. And, and here it comes out now. Uh, he has life, and as a result of it, uh, you see, he said, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The resurrection, that would get him up out of the grave, but he's also our life, that'll keep him up out of the grave. Yes, it'll get us up, just that he's our resurrection, but it'll keep us up because that, uh, he's our life. 
I'm glad that we've got a king today. Thank God that, that uh, is able to keep, not only save us, but to keep us saved for all of eternity. And then I'll give you this and I'll close. He's not only the king of love and the king of life, but he's the king of liberty. Verse 44, he said, Loose him and let him go. Uh, what liberty. You see, he was bound. It says his hands were bound, his feet were bound, his face were bound, so his hands being bound. Uh, now uh, he loosed him so he can work in liberty now. He can serve the, in liberty. The greatest liberty that you and I have today is being a bond slave of Jesus Christ. That's where real liberty is. He, he, he could work in liberty. His feet were, were loosed so he could walk in liberty. We have the privilege of fellowship and walking with God today in liberty. His face was bound, but it was, it was liberated. It was freed. And so we can witness with liberty and tell the lost world about the saving grace of God. And although it does not specifically say here that his knees were liberated, uh, but the fact that his whole body was bound, uh, you can uh, rest assured his knees were. So we can worship in liberty now. Oh, I tell you, loose him, let him go. <laughs> and now we've been resurrected and we've been loosed. All them grave clothes off of us. Put them grace clothes on us now. And he loosed us and now letting us go in the service of the Lord. I'm, I'm preaching. By the way, this miracle, if you look over chapter 12, verses 9, 10, and 11 there, you, you'll see this miracle was so great that it got the whole religious world upset. I mean, uh, brother, uh, look what he said. He said, but the, verse 10, but the chief priest consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. Well, Jesus just got him up out of the grave. And this religious crowd is wanting to put him back in the grave. I'll tell you, this resurrected life that you and I walk in, it ought to upset that religious crowd every day. They ought to get, they ought to get upset. Uh, but my friend, I'm preaching about the God of our future, the God of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He's a mighty prophet. He's a merciful priest. He's a majestic potentate, majestic king. In the Old Testament, we sometimes find one who was a prophet and a king like David was. Sometimes we'd find one that was a priest and a prophet like Samuel was. Sometimes there was a king and a priest like Melchizedek was. But when we come to the New Testament, there's one and only one who's capable of handling all three of the offices at the same time. He's our prophet. He's our priest. He's our king. In other words, he's all we need. We are complete in Him. Paul said Christ is our all in all. He is everything that we'll ever need. And I, I want to say, my dear friend, in closing this morning,
that uh, somebody may be saying here, preacher, we don't know what the future is. <laughs> we don't, but uh, he does. And it does not matter what we face in life. He's able to resurrect any of those things and redirect our lives for his glory. I was in Bible college, Brother Wayne, and uh, with a fellow that, uh, he's my roommate. I was thinking about it as I was coming down here this morning. You're not going to believe this, but it was 50 years ago. I don't look that old, do I? 50 years ago, Bible college. And uh, good man, good man. He, uh, Brother uh, Tony, he helped me up at Pleasant Grove in the ministry there, and people loved him there. He married a Tennessee Temple girl from Jacksonville, Florida, and, and uh, after school he went down to Jacksonville, pastored a church there. And pastoring up in Virginia right now, but uh, he uh, they got they they had uh, three children, had a little girl and then two little boys, and then uh, as a result of it, uh, some of the people in the church got to talking about how that uh, you know uh, they don't need to have a house full of kids, and uh, so she decided to have a tubal ligation, have her tubes tied, and uh, they did. And I guess the little girl was nine years old. She came in from school one day. I think she's seven years old. Came in from school one day. She was the older. And uh, she said, uh, Daddy, my stomach hurts. I said, what have you been eating? She said, I ate some green apples. He said, that's why your stomach hurts. 24 hours, she was dead. She had a rare disease that suddenly killed her. It totally devastated my friend and his wife. And they didn't know what to do, but they pressed on. Months went by, and uh, they, uh, they, they just, I mean, they tried to serve. You know how it would be. You, you've faced things before, and you still have to serve, and still have to keep going, have to keep preaching, have to keep serving. And they did. And one day, he had met with a youth director from another church. They were going to have a combined uh, youth meeting in several churches. They were, uh, after their meeting was over, the youth director said, I have got to hurry and get to the doctor. My wife and I have a doctor's appointment with. And he told him all about it. He said, my wife had had her tubes tied after our last baby. But uh, there is a doctor here in Jacksonville that can do a reverse tubal ligation, can, can reverse that tying of the tubes. And so we're going to meet with him. And Matt said that, that, that his antennas went up. He said, I want you to call me after that meeting. And so he did and told him that the doctor said he was pretty sure that he could reverse it. And he and his wife sat down and they talked about it and they wanted to pursue it and they did. And now listen to me, listen closely, and I'm honestly trying to, to, to conclude. But uh, the doctor did the, the, the surgery and reconnected her tubes 
And she got pregnant. Just a little while, she got pregnant. And when she went to her gynecologist, he didn't even know about this. He couldn't believe it. How can you be pregnant with child and your tubes were tied? He said, I did that. I know I tied them tubes. And they told him the story. And when that baby was delivered, that doctor came in and told him. Back then, they didn't know what it was until the baby was born. He said, you've got a, you got a little girl. <laughs> They'd lost their little girl, their only girl, and said, you got a little girl. And said, now, now here's what, what I didn't understand, preacher. He said, one, one tube was completely blocked. And the other tube was 90% blocked with scar tissue. He said it was a one in a million chances. <laughs> Hallelujah that this would happen. You see, what God had done is taken a shattered dream of that little girl. Took her home early, as far as they were concerned. But now God had resurrected their dreams and their plans. I'm talking about the God of our future. I don't know what you might be going through. But I'm telling you that the God of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus is our own God the God of our future, and He can resurrect it and redirect your life for His glory. Our Father, we've tried our best today just to honor the Lord, and I pray that you would use these few simple thoughts to bring glory to our blessed God. Thank you for this church and for our dear brother Cofield. And I pray the blessings of heaven to be upon them, Lord. Use them, God, in a mighty way here in Dalton to reach many sinners, to help many saints. God, I pray that uh, you would help us just to stay true to God in whatever, whatever plans and hopes are dashed in our life that we'll look to the God of our future who's still our God in 2020 that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever Ask or think, I just pray that you'll help us to be all that a holy God would have us to be today. We ask it in Christ's name, amen.